0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates' national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
1: Getting in the backlash from Philly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they hate me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to on everything you say just as a man. Um, obviously they small clipped it and just took one line of what, uh, was really talked about, but, uh, no pun intended or no disrespect to Hurts. I think he's doing great this year. Um, but you know what I mean? I'm a defensive guy and, you know, I said that he was defenses. It's a team to watch. I mean, I mean, they just got hell of a players over there that's been making plays all year. So from a defensive aspect, you know, I know how, uh, Offensive guys just kind of get all the credit, so I just want to stick up for the defensive guys. because the conversation was most valuable player, is it just quarterback? So I was just, you know, having good conversations with Vaughn, a person I look up to, um, helped him on his podcast, and next thing you know, storm. So, <laughs> um, you see how that goes, and, and we're yeah, we just talking football. I mean, not once did I ever disrespect Hurts or any other player in any way um, I'm just talking football like if football is a, a hurtful conversation then what are we playing for I think the job's more hurtful than conversation like right you know so uh you know if we can't have opinions I mean you guys get to talk to you all day why can't we just <laughs> talk a little chatter you know so uh, I don't understand uh we're so hurtful when we talk about each other you know we're the players we play every day
0: Micah Parsons getting a lesson in cause and effect. And I like that he didn't say they took what I said out of context. He said they used a small bite, which doesn't make it untrue. And Chris and I talked about this yesterday. You put yourself in that setting and you're having a casual conversation and you're saying whatever comes to mind and you're bearing your soul and you're expressing your belief. And I said yesterday, I think that this was at its core – an argument for a defensive player to be MVP like a Micah Parsons. Why is it always the quarterback of one of the best two teams, the one seeds in either conference? Well, it just is. But he said what he said about Jalen Hurts, and it it lit the fuse, and it created a buzz, and now he understands. And why can't you do it? Because you play against those teams. You have games coming up. You have a Christmas Eve game in Dallas against the Eagles. And it becomes fodder to get players and teams motivated, even though they'll say we don't listen to it. Peter, we know by now that they do. So it's better to not have that stuff out there that can be used against you for just a little extra drive, extra motivation, extra focus, extra something. It reminds me as I'm sitting here thinking about it of Anthony Brown. Remember him? The safety for the Steelers talking big in 2007 about how they're going to hand the Patriots their first loss of the year. And Tom Brady says, I don't listen to that. And the Patriots say, we don't listen to that. And the minute Tom Brady throws a touchdown pass over Anthony Brown, what does he do? He runs up and gets in his face during that game.
2: (laughs) Hey, look, you know, Mike, I think when you actually listen to the words that Micah Parsons spoke, um, You know, that's when you hear what I thought was his intent in this. And it wasn't terrible, but you could tell. It reminded me of the old statement when Jerry Jones said to uh, Rick Gosselin and Ed Werder, you know, that 500 guys could coach the Dallas Cowboys. You know, that he was just, I don't want to say dismissive but he 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 was talking about Jimmy Johnson like he's not really that special. And when I heard the voice of Micah Parsons talking about Jalen hurts, you know his his tone was again, it was not dismissive, all respect to Jalen hurts, but you know his the tone was a lot of quarterbacks can be doing what he's doing. And so that is where the trouble comes in. You know, if you can actually hear his words and and not just read his 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 words on a piece of paper, but to kind of hear his tone. And that's where I think he gets in a little bit of trouble here. And why, if I was Jalen Hurts, I would say, huh, we'll see on Christmas Eve. We'll see what happens. And, you know, we will see what happens. It now becomes I, I just feel sorry for all the Christian families of America quite honestly, because who, who don't love football because basically they're going to have somebody in their, in their house who said, hey, can we have Christmas Eve dinner at eight o'clock tonight if you're in the Eastern time zone or maybe seven o'clock if we're in the Central time zone because I got to watch this game. This all of a sudden now that just adds uh, Fuel to the fire. And that becomes even a more of a, of a must-see game.
0: You know, it is funny. There was a time where it felt like the NFL tiptoed around Christmas a little bit and it's doing <laughs> less and less tiptoeing around. Now it's got, they got the clod hoppers on for Christmas <laughs> Eve and Christmas day. Right. I mean, you got yeah. Steelers Raiders on Christmas Eve. Are you kidding me? And three games on Christmas day for the first time, but Uh, Yeah, celebrate on Boxing Day, the 26th uh, of December, and uh, leave football to the two main days for the holiday. So uh, the Cowboys this weekend are in Jacksonville. I can't figure out the Jaguars, Peter. They are so wildly inconsistent. They get their asses kicked by the Lions, and then they go down to Nashville and dismantle the division-leading Titans to the point where all they have to do now is make up one game over the next three weeks, and Week 18, Tennessee at Jacksonville, is for the AFC South crown as incomprehensible as that would be let's let's hear from Trevor Lawrence on when for him personally the switch flipped on his second NFL season
2: I'll never forget how I felt in that locker room after the game you know obviously it wasn't a good day for me and I really just felt like really it felt like that a couple times but none more than after that game really felt like I let the the team down you know should have won that game um, I think we had lost four. That was our fifth one in a row. So I was just. I remember. I never forgot how I felt in that locker room. Cause I don't want to feel like this anymore. You know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. One, start taking care of the ball. But two, I just want to be the player that I know I can be. And I think that kind of flipped a switch in me. And obviously, and, and honestly too, I think uh, I have a little bit more of a chip on my shoulder now, just cause you know, last year and a half, I don't. I don't really forget what what's been said and um, what people have written. And now, you know, you see people change their mind after. A couple of weeks, and uh, but I but I but I remember everything.
0: By the way, that game was the loss to the Broncos in in London, London earlier this year. Yeah. Now they still have been win one, lose one, win one, lose one, and they you know, they played the Chiefs. I mean, you know, what do you expect? But still, I want to see them put at least two good games together. And they have the Cowboys coming to town. Four-point favorites are Dallas. And the Cowboys, after almost suffering an incredibly embarrassing loss to the Texans last week, a game that they found a way to win when they were 17 half point favorites, that makes it more of a challenge because I think the Jaguars are going to have more focus from the Cowboys this week than otherwise. But, Peter, do you believe that Trevor Lawrence and company can can show us the kind of consistency that maybe could Thrust them into the playoff conversation.
2: You know, uh, Mike. What occurs to me watching Trevor Lawrence in recent weeks is, uh, you know, talking to Doug Peterson after the game against Baltimore that, that you know they had the the stunning win uh, over the Ravens, and and you know, I, I basically said this this seems like a coming of age game for Trevor Lawrence he said that's exactly what it was and <clears throat> if you look at <clears throat> when he starts talking about you know i got to stop making those mistakes where which he he made 3 of them two interceptions and then a, a terrible decision on one of his throws you know the, you have to look at what he's actually done the last 5 weeks 10 touchdowns zero interceptions I mean, that is an accomplishment in any league, never mind in the NFL, particularly when you're at Kansas City and at Tennessee in, you know, among those games. But Mike, the most impressive thing to me about Trevor Lawrence, and I was looking at this Sunday, and I just pulled it up again. Mike, look at his completion percentage over the last five weeks. 81, 73, 78. A clunker at Detroit, 55. But at Tennessee, 71 against a good defense. And, you know, the point is that he's not making mistakes. He's being much more efficient in his decision-making. And to me, what is clicking in now with Doug Peterson is what clicked in in 2017 with Carson Wentz. If you simply take what's there... You were going to make enough plays to win most games, and you know he's getting fairly he's getting fairly good protection, and he's having time to be the great quarterback he was drafted to be. And I find it interesting when I hear him, Mike, talk about uh, you know remembering what people said, and now you know watching him and seeing him change his mind. It's almost like a little bit of a rabbit ears thing. You know he's hearing everything. And players, of course, say, I don't care what you know what people say about me. But it is clear. He does care. And so, I don't know, Mike. I look at him right now. They would be a fascinating team in the playoffs. Fascinating. But to be in the playoffs, very likely they have to beat Dallas at home and Tennessee at home. And that is not going to be easy.
0: And unfortunately, Micah Parsons didn't say anything about Trevor Lawrence on the Vaughn cast. (laughs) Uh, That could have helped, right? (laughs) That would have helped Trevor Lawrence get a little extra motivation if he is listening. And I like the candor because we know they are. I've interviewed so many players over the years, and you ask them a question about something. Somebody said, and they act like you're stupid. Like, why? yeah, we don't care about that baloney. They do care about it. They do care about it. They look for anything they can to get themselves motivated, and they are A human like the rest of us, they get pissed off when they feel like they've been disrespected. They get more focused. They do everything they're supposed to do. You know, it isn't about having more focus on game day. It's about watching your nutrition all week, getting your lifts in, studying your plays, getting hydrated, every little thing that you otherwise not possibly will be as focused on as you otherwise could be. You will be because you are completely engaged in proving that person wrong. So uh, Trevor Lawrence trying to prove doubters in the media and elsewhere wrong. We'll see if he can do it. On Sunday, Sunday night, NBC, Giants, Commanders. Peter, I said this yesterday. From the Commanders' perspective, they just had a really long halftime between the first 70 minutes against the Giants and the next 60 or 70. They were tied through 70 minutes. The Giants had to get splattered by the Eagles in the interim. The Commanders just had a a really, really, really long break, and now they get together again. And the Commanders feel like the team that is going up And the Giants feel like the team that is going down, and we may see it play out that way on Sunday night.
2: Hey, Mike, I want to ask you this question because I've written about it, I've talked about it, and I think it's ridiculous. Isn't it kind of ridiculous that, and again, look, we are employees of NBC, and I'm I'm telling you as – Whatever you would swear on, I swear. For now, we are. This. For now, we are. I'm in em- Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but I'm. I'm not saying this because I'm. I'm an employee of NBC, but they okay. made a mistake. They made a mistake on the flexing uh, of on the on the positioning of the games this week. The Miami Buffalo game should be Sunday night. The Washington Giants game should be Saturday night, and. You know, and and look, not just because the Miami Buffalo game, to me, is a more compelling game. Okay, but the other reason is just simple competitive fairness. Uh, honestly, because you you put the Miami Dolphins in the Sunday night game the previous week in California. They flew across country. They landed Monday morning at 7.15. So they've got a short week anyway after that trip and that you made them play the late game, all right? And now in a short week, they've got to go to Buffalo on Friday instead of Saturday and compress their preparedness into one fewer day. And I just, I don't really quite understand it. You got Washington coming off a bye. They don't. They don't need the extra rest. Um, I mean, the Giants. I'm sure are happy that that they get they get the regular rest. But the bottom line is, I don't understand, and I never will understand why one game is on Saturday night on short rest with the road team really having to uh, go through a gauntlet. And the Sunday game is not as attractive a game. And that supposedly is your more premier window than Saturday night.
0: And the Bills were home last week, too, to exacerbate the competitive disadvantage net to the Dolphins. The Bills didn't have to go anywhere. But, but just to be clear, just to be clear, because we both would like to remain employees of NBC, these are decisions <laughs> made by the NFL. Not by NBC, not by us. What we say doesn't matter. What what we say doesn't matter. The NFL decides the schedule, and uh, uh, we get a great game Saturday night and Sunday night because Bill's Miami in a snowstorm. I don't know if it's going to snow. I don't know how much it's going to snow, but I I would like a little Saturday night snow globe game. that, That will make it a little more interesting, and we'll see if the Dolphins can function in the snow. They've been trying very hard this week to convince us of that fact. We're going to rip through some of the other games coming up for week 15 when this Friday edition of PFT Live continues right after this.
3: Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The biggest thing is, like, yeah, you you do adjust um, a hair, you know, we won't be outside, and, um, you know, you do it, but you don't really prepare for it. Um, besides mentally deciding if it's going to matter to you or not. Um, I kind of look at it like this. Uh, Do the Buffalo Bills players vacation in Buffalo. I mean, people... So, yeah, you get used to it, but it's a mindset as well. So, um, to me, uh, you just decide if you're going to let it factor in or not, um, and then you adjust as best you can.
0: Oh, it's pineapple time, Friday. I can't Mike stop talking looking in front of at the pineapples.
2: <laughs> I can't stop it. I didn't even hear what he said, Mike. I'm looking at the pineapples. The Baptist help. Look at them. Look at the pineapples. What did what did McDaniel just say? I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. I'm staring at the pineapples.
0: Maybe that's what they need to do to distract them from the snow. That's what it's all about. The snow's an issue. The weather's an issue only if you think about it and let it be an issue. So focus on pineapples instead of the snow. By the way, I got an email just yesterday from one of our viewers in the UK, and we are live on Sky Sports NFL on Friday mornings still. Just in case you and Peter are having a discussion about pineapples again, I would like to point out there is a pineapple on top of the Wimbledon men's tennis trophy first presented in 1877. That's because when pineapples arrived in the U.K., they were classed as exotic, rare, and very, very expensive. Only royalty could afford pineapples. So there's your pineapple fact for December 16. We'll have more pineapple facts you gotta love coming up pineapple on future Fridays as long as we have no Mike clue. McDaniel. That's a... I, I have, have not fact-checked that pineapple fact. I do not know that there is a pineapple atop the Wimbledon men's trophy. I have a feeling we'll have confirmation or debunking of that by the end of the show. But there's your pineapple fact. True or not for today, Peter.
2: Hey, look, you know, if you talk about this game, one of the reasons, you know, I, I hate sort of cliche type uh, things that people invent about some about players who can't do X, Y, or Z. And it's like, what do people now say about Tua? Oh, he can't win in cold weather. I, I mean, you know, that's that's a real overly simplistic way of looking at it. He had his nightmare game in Buffalo a couple of years ago, the whatever, 59 to 30 game or whatever. He's not on the field playing defense against Buffalo. And and so, I and again, he has to basically win a couple of games in December at his at, you know at his northernmost division foes in the next couple of years before things like that are going to go away. He just does. And and honestly, Mike, I think he will. The bigger question right now is, is, you know, have coaches discovered some things about this offense? that that are going to be exploited down the stretch and and could even knock Miami out of the playoffs. And I thought what Brandon Staley did and the Chargers did, when they had a bunch of guys who were down, uh, Derwin James, uh, a lot of guys on their defensive front, down, I thought one of the things they did is they sort of crammed the middle of the field. Tua Tongavaloa has done a great job this year exploiting the middle of the field particularly deep and now they sort of clogged up the middle of the field and said okay Tua got to run some deep outs you got to run outs now because we're not letting you use the middle of the field the way you have and and look we'll see if that continues but that's kind of what I noticed watching that game the other night.
0: And I think you're right. I mean, that's why that 49ers game and the Chargers combined, it creates the so-called blueprint that other teams will use. Yeah. And, Peter, I think it's interesting that the what happened was the question of can that offense function in the elements in December and January morphed into Tua can't play in the cold weather. That's never been the question. The question is can that offense operate in, in the cold, but it became Tua can't play in the cold. And no one has said that that I know of. Maybe people are saying it now, but it's wrong. It's just a question. Just a question. Coach Dungy raised that earlier this year when they were firing on all cylinders. We'll see how they do in Buffalo and in New England, because they got both of those teams in Miami in September. Now they have to go back in December and January to play in those places. And, hey, you hit the nail on the head. They may not make the playoffs. It's going to be up to them, obviously, at this point. Bills, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers on Christmas Day at the Patriots, and then they finish the year with the Jets. That is not an easy run for a team that's lost two in a row, Peter. They could slip out of it altogether. It's up to them to turn it around, and their opportunity comes tomorrow night. So we'll see.
2: I love the game. And also, hey, Mike, you know what I said watching the Bills last week and really the last couple weeks? I mean, and I looked it up. I think he's only got five drops. But Isaiah McKenzie, you know, watching him not catch balls that he should be catching. And I wrote this in my column on Monday. I didn't know anything. But I basically wrote, you know, Isaiah McKenzie's better be careful. Because if I'm Brandon Bean, I'm starting to look for, uh, you know, a guy who might give him some competition at slot receiver. You know, he's just not, he has not grabbed the ring the way, I don't think anyway, the way the Bills had hoped he would. Um, and sure enough, on Monday afternoon, I forget who tweeted it. Somebody tweeted, hey, just flew in on a plane to Buffalo with uh, with Cole Beasley. Wonder what he's doing in town. And sure enough, Tuesday morning, Cole Beasley is signing with the Bills. And And look, Cole Beasley had a weird end to his Bills career, no question about it. But the one thing you say, I, I'll say two things about Cole Beasley. He had fantastic chemistry with Josh Allen. Fantastic. And the other thing is with him, he is a fearless slot receiver. He got banged around so much. By the end of, I, like two years ago, he was my all pro uh, slot receiver on, on my all pro team or my the third receiver on my all pro team. But the point is, He now provides a little bit of help for an offense that hasn't been quite as intergalactic as we thought Buffalo's would.
0: Some fences had to be mended in that relationship and the bills had to do some work and eat some crow and kiss some butt to get him back in the fold. It just shows you that they perceive a real need there, or they wouldn't have done it. They wouldn't have eaten some humble pie to work things out with Cole Beasley Titans chargers. The Titans have had three straight helpings of humble pie lately. They haven't been the same since they beat the Packers on a Thursday night a month ago. The Chargers winning after losing and winning and losing and losing a couple, and they just, they're just they're on the right side of 500 for a change. Do you feel like they're starting to put it all together? And this is just one of those where, hey, the planets line up, the guys get healthy, you get the best players on the field, and all of a sudden we see what the Chargers can be.
2: Hey, look. Chris Collinsworth said it on the game the other night, Mike, Mike that uh, this is one of the best performances we've seen this year, meaning best performances by a quarterback. Justin Herbert winning that game uh, on Sunday night. I thought he was absolutely tremendous. Some of the throws that Justin Herbert makes, you say, how does he fit a ball into a tiny little window like that? But he does it really, really well. He does it almost as well as anybody who's played. But I look at Justin Herbert now, Mike, and you're right. If you can have both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams playing for you, that is a recipe to score 28, 31, 34 points every week. And they're going to have to do that, quite honestly, because, look, if I'm Mike Vrabel, I'm going to Todd Downing, my offensive coordinator, and I'm doing exactly what Bill Parcells said to Ron Earhart, his offensive coordinator, when they went in to play the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl in January of 1991. Parcells walked up to Earhart after they beat the 49ers in the NFC Championship. And he said, Hey, Ron, next week, play clock ball. And what he means clearly is keep the ball out of Jim Kelly's hands. And If I'm Mike Vrabel, I'm telling Todd Downing, hey, listen, you know, you got to run Derrick Henry 36 times this week, period. I mean, we have to hold the ball and keep the ball away from the Chargers to have a good chance to win this game. So I would expect this is going to be a game that could be played in two hours and 47 minutes in L.A. on Sunday.
0: And you mentioned Todd Downing. The Titans haven't been the same and haven't won a game since that DUI arrest of Downing after the flight from Green Bay back to Nashville, bus back to the facility. The timeline made it clear that there was some consumption going on on team transportation which is a clear violation of the rules and they've been rattled ever since then you throw in the John Robinson firing and the Titans desperate to turn it around and running out of chances because the Jaguars as we've already discussed could catch them how about this Patriots seven and six staying out in Arizona this week after beating the Cardinals on Monday night facing the Raiders who had that mini buy after that game they blew to Baker Mayfield and company Josh McDaniels Versus Bill Belichick, McDaniels is one and zero against Bill, dating back to the 2010 season when McDaniels was in the first year with the Broncos and beat the Patriots. Can McDaniels make it two and zero against his longtime boss, Peter?
2: I mean, he certainly can. This is to me, it's a coin flip game. And uh, and again, I think what this game comes down to is you know can Mac Jones make enough plays to go head to head with an offense that is significantly better throwing the ball downfield. And look, it, you know, Josh Jacobs, I think barring an injury is going to win the rushing title. So they're facing a team and we all laugh at Vegas. And we say, man, they got too much talent to be five and eight. And you know what, Mike, they got too much talent to be five and eight. But the point that I would make about this team is Uh, And the reason why I would slightly favor Vegas in this game is because, look, they except for a really weird, weird, weird way to lose that game to Baker Mayfield. Except for that, this is a team that would be on a four-game winning streak. And I think we'd all be thinking, oh, uh, Vegas has got this game. So, again, ifs and buts don't mean anything. I get it. But... I think the Raiders are playing pretty well, and you it's to me, I I, I think New England is really going to have to rattle. um, New England's really going to have to rattle uh, Derek Carr if if they're going to have a good chance to win this game.
0: The one play that stands out for me above all others from that Thursday night game, that interception that Derek Carr threw, and how does he process that? How does he get past that? How does he learn from that? How does he put it behind him, and how does he not let – his own doubts start to creep in as he gets closer and closer to the end of this season and wonder whether or not the Raiders will indeed keep him around for next year. They can say to him whatever they want to say. Does he really believe it at this point? I don't know. And maybe it'll show up in his play. Does he go out and cut it loose or does he play a little bit hesitant and tentative after what happened with that ugly, ugly interception that we broke down extensively last week? Let's take a break. When we return, will Mike White be healthy enough to play for the Jets on Sunday against the Lions, we'll hear from him. Not live, on tape. But either way, we'll hear from him after this on PFT Live.
3: I uh, feel good. You know, just kind of general soreness from playing football and getting hit, but feel good.
2: Is there any doubt in your mind that he'll Sunday?
3: Uh, no, no, not at all. Uh, like I said, mo- uh, Monday... I'm preparing as such, and until something changes, then uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Just listen. I think they just got me on two clean hits. It's really what it is. It's, it's. Hopefully, it's not a reoccurring theme. But uh, I don't know. I'm sure maybe that'll be an off-season project of mine. Is how can I, how can I avoid those hits?
0: Mike White, referring to the hits he took as general soreness, he went to the hospital. He, that is not general soreness. He went to the hospital to get checked out for internal injuries after those two hits. And look, he won a lot of respect from his teammates and from his foes for those hits that he took and left the game and came back after both of them. The legend of Mike White continues to grow, even though he's 1-2 and two as a starter. And this is it. They're getting closer and closer to the end of the road at 7-6. and six. Robert Sala, the head coach of the team, very confident that they can still make it to the playoffs. He's already said we're going to see the Bills again, and it was one of those, whoa, is that what – did he say what What we – yes, play it back. Yes, he did. He's very confident that they're going to make it to the postseason. Peter, are you confident they are going to to take some of the steam out of a very hot Lions team?
2: Mike, I'll tell you this. I, I have confidence that the, that the Jets' defense – is going to keep them in every game even against a red hot quarterback named shall we name him Jared Goff who you know basically is allowing Brad Holmes and the the brain trust of the Detroit Lions to think hey listen we can fill all these other holes we don't have to worry about quarterbacks now but this is a fascinating matchup Mike because nobody is doing much against the Jets defense first of all. And on the other side, the Lions are scoring 58 points a game. <laughs> you know, So I think it's really a fun thing. Plus, plus, Mike, we have not talked enough about, and I don't know whether you talked about it much this week, but how about last week? Jamison Williams just sort of snuck back in to the rotation. And he he made his NFL debut, caught a long touchdown pass, so there's one more thing about the Lions. It's not just I'm on Ross St. Brown anymore. You know, it, it is the fact that you now have a real dangerous dual threat at wide receiver. You had DJ Chark. They, this is a team that really is an explosive offensive team. And, again, I don't know what's going to happen at the Meadowlands. But that is a fascinating matchup. And, and I'll tell you this, Mike. How about in the span of five days when you looked at the Jets schedule in in May and you saw, you know, December 18th, you know, Jets hosting the Lions, December 22nd, Thursday night, Jets hosting the Jaguars. I mean, we're saying this is this, you know, this is a the end of the Jets schedule is going to be a horrible uh, it's going to be a disaster. Nobody cares. There'll be ten thousand people in the stands. All of a sudden, both of those games are fascinating.
0: Yeah, that Jaguars Jets game was the one that stood out as the real clunker yeah. on the Amazon schedule. And they're they're coming into the into the station with some pretty good games. They have that one. And they have Cowboys Titans to wrap up their their slate in their first year with the exclusive Thursday night package. You mentioned the Lions offense and all the weapons they have, and the guy who's making it go is Jared Goff, the guy who was the albatross of the Matthew Stafford trade. Now he's becoming the answer for the Detroit Lions. Here's Goff on proving his critics wrong from earlier in this season.
3: I don't I don't really care. Yeah, I, I don't I re, I really just enjoy winning with these guys and um whatever people may have said earlier on in the year they were they were they were probably justified in some ways. We were one and six not playing very well and um now we are playing pretty well and uh everyone seems to have changed their mind on us and we try to stay right in the middle. You know, I think that's the biggest challenge for us now is uh show show our maturity and show that we can handle a little bit of praise and handle a little bit of uh, you know, people thinking that we're good and, and, and not change the way we're approaching each week.
0: You know, we talked earlier about this narrative on Tua Tagovailoa not being able to play in the cold. It's not been proven. What has been proven is Jared Goff has had issues in the cold. That's going to be in the 30s. The wind's going to be 10 to 15 miles per hour at MetLife Stadium. And we'll see what Jared Goff can do in those elements against that defense with all those weapons that he now has. And it's been amazing because, Peter, it really was. When they did the trade, it's like, okay, we know what this is. We know what this is. The Rams are offloading Jared Goff's god-awful contract that they never should have given to him. They're giving up a first-round pick to get rid of that contract, and the Lions will keep him for a year or two and then go get another quarterback. Well, now they're... They're looking around saying, this this is our guy. We got all these other picks we can use. We got that Rams high first-round pick. We don't need to worry about a quarterback. We can get more weapons. We can improve our defense. We can make our team better, and we can keep Jared Goff, and he's proving one week at a time that he's the guy. And obviously, if they keep winning, it becomes louder and louder. It could still fall apart down the stretch, but there is no team hotter right now other than the 49ers in the NFC than the Detroit Lions.
2: Mike, you know the other thing we don't, probably talk about enough with the golf stafford trade, I want you to think about this for a minute and think about sort of the long-term implications. Okay, so Matthew Stafford, over the next uh, three years, starting next year, his cap numbers are 20 million, 49.5, 50.5, and then in 26, 49.5. Let's look at Jared Goff's cap numbers. next year, 31.65 in 24. And then he has an expired contract. Who would have ever thought we would have said, man, wouldn't mind buying a couple more years at 31 million on the cap for Jared Goff. I mean, because everybody was thinking a year ago, man, thank God they've only got a couple more years of the really onerous contract of Jared Goff. All of a sudden, it's not an onerous contract. It's actually a favorable contract. And compared to Matthew Stafford, you know, Mike, I I, I just think sometimes in this business, the one thing we never want to do is, hey, let's see what happens. Let's let the situation play out, and then we'll make a judgment. And that's where I am right now with this thing. I mean, I'm not absolutely saying that just because you've got Jared Goff and a first-round pick in the top 10 next year, and you use part of the compensation acquired for Matthew Stafford, part of it to draft Jamison Williams. I'm not saying that the Lions absolutely got the better. Let's see what happens. But right now, it is trending, trending toward the Lions getting the better of this deal. But if you talk to the Rams, you know what they would say? That's fine. We got a ring. You know, And they can all look at their ring, and they're all going to say, we never would have gotten this ring if we didn't have Matthew Stafford. And that's why when I look at it, I say, this is one of those classic trades that probably was good for both teams.
0: Here's the caveat, and then we need to take a break. The Rams got their ring, but what is the price that you pay after the fact? How long does it take you to reset, to, get to dig out yeah. of the damage done? by not having those picks. Especially when, Peter, you're in a market that is still lukewarm toward you, even though you just won a Super Bowl. You've got a Chargers team that has its long term answer at quarterback right. that is currently three games better than you and you could languish over the next five yeah. to seven to ten years in Los Angeles. Hey, we got our ring, but now we've we've sunken into the La Brea tar pits, which are out there somewhere <laughs> in Southern California, I was always fascinated by the La Brea tar pits when I was a kid. I don't know why; it just sounds really cool. All right, let's. You take know a why break. you saw it we're in the Bugs Bunny right?
2: cartoons? You saw it in the yes, Bugs Bunny right. cartoons, and you were convinced. You were convinced that if you fell into the La Brea tar pits, it was just like quicksand; you would never come out. That's
0: right. That's right. Uh, And uh, Bugs Bunny had made a wrong turn at Albuquerque to end up at the La Brea Targets. No, you mean Albuquerque. That's right. And we're going to make a turn down to Tampa. Tom Brady, not, not too thrilled with questions about some reporting that was done over the weekend by Peter's former colleague, Michael Silver. We'll break that down when PFT Live continues right after this. Yeah. Earlier this week, Michael Silver of the San Francisco Chronicle, after interviewing Brady in the locker room following the 35-7 loss to the 49ers by the Buccaneers, he had an item, an observation, a statement in the column. It wasn't a quote from Brady, but Silver said on the night before each game, Brady runs a separate meeting... With the Bucks' skill position players, during which he goes over the game plan, makes tweaks to assignments and formations, and provides a revised blueprint, one which first-year ho- coach Todd Bowles, offense coordinator Byron Leftwich, and the rest of the staff are left to discover in real time once the game begins. Tom Brady was asked about that yesterday. and didn't seem to like the question, didn't seem to like the report. Let's have a listen.
3: No, I have no idea. I mean, anybody could write anything and say whatever they want. So, no, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to make sure that that
0: did sound right. So,
3: yeah, yeah. I'm not going to respond to every. Next question.
0: (laughs) Tommy's getting upset. But it's when you say anyone can write anything, anyone can say anything, that's true. But this guy talked to him and I don't know whether Tom said it or whether there's some other source involved, but he talked to him. It's not me in my bunker here in West Virginia, just spouting off nonsense as I often do. He talked to him face to face, man to man, person to person. That's what makes this so weird. And Peter, the other thing about it, when I read silver's item, I saw that line, and it didn't even raise a red flag for me because I'm thinking, well, yeah, they're empowering the players. They expect the players to be the ones to dig this out. It didn't seem implausible to me that Tom Brady would take that kind of ownership over the offense.
2: You know, Mike, I, I, I missed that this week and or yesterday, whenever it was, and I apologize for that. But when you were telling me about it in the break and and I started to 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 think about it, you know what I thought of? I thought of Russell Wilson in training camp with the Broncos this year, asking all of his skilled position players, all the wide receivers, all the tight ends, all the backs, to come in at 7 o'clock during training camp so that they could go over and Russell Wilson could take that day's script for practice and say, okay, guys, I'm going to give you a preview of this, and let's talk about it, and let's talk about what looks like it's going to work, what looks like it's not going to work, all that. You know, let's let's do this. So he would spend 40, 45 minutes with these guys. And the inference was that Russell Wilson and the players would be out there trying to figure out what is going to work best against, they happen to be playing against Dallas the day I was there, but they could have been playing against their own defense. What is going to work the best that day to try to win plays during practice? And honestly, that's what this sounds like. It sounds like Brady basically, if indeed he he did meet with his players, and I have no reason to to doubt Mike's reporting, but if he did that, Basically, you're going over plays that the next day you think you're going to be able to use. And let's preview this and let's try to understand where we are and what's going to work the best. So I and again, I can see why you said what you just said that when after you play this, that it didn't even I mean, I read that column. Sunday night late when, when Mike put it up, or whatever, four o'clock in the morning when I was finishing my column or three o'clock. So I, I read that, I read that. And I had the same reaction as you. I remember reading it and I didn't even think anything of it because I do think that quarterbacks do that. Now, the thing that Mike said in there that I'm sure would tick off Tom Brady would, was that, hey, he's, Basically rewriting the game plan so that Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich wouldn't recognize. Now, I, and again, I'm not saying Todd Bowles doesn't care about that, but Todd Bowles really is not the guy who's doing the offensive game plan. It's Leftwich, so <clears throat> it would be Leftwich who is being surprised. But I don't know. I I think a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL do this. If if indeed that's, that's what happened.
0: Just a weird vibe overall with the Buccaneers this year yeah. on a variety of fronts. And here they are, 6-7. and seven. They're still in first place in the division. Brady talked yesterday about the fact that they have a losing record, yet they're still in position to make it to the playoffs. Here's what he had to say about that.
3: There's no lack of, I guess, maybe it's one of the strengths. There's no lack of quit. There's no lack of fight. Guys are practicing their ass off. We're trying to work hard to make the make the right improvements, and it's – you know, every day you're challenging this sport. You know, you get up every day and your body feels a certain way and your mind and your confidence and your – and then you got to go coordinate that with everyone else's body and confidence and attitude. And you're trying to string together special teams, offense. You know, there's a lot to do. And it's really rewarding when it pays off. And when it doesn't pay off, it sucks. But that's like all of our jobs, you know. When it doesn't go the way you want, it's, it sucks. And we got to come stand up here and answer questions about – why it's not going great, believe me, it's, you wish it was going great every week, but that's not our reality, and we've got to dig our way out of it. It's not anyone's – no one's feeling sorry for us. No one's outside of the locker room can do much about it. We've got to come together, and we've got to do it ourselves. And I think I really appreciate what Todd's doing, and he, you know, he's putting it on us to fix it. and you know, That's what our responsibility is to do.
0: You know, the difference between their jobs and our jobs and anyone else's jobs, really, there isn't a scoreboard. There isn't a constant reminder until the next opportunity you have to perform. You just had a bad day. You go home, you go to bed, you watch TV, you do whatever, and you go back and you you hope to have a better day. You don't have that same attention that is focused on your shortcomings and that number that is affixed to it. We only scored three points today or ten points today or whatever. So, you know, the bottom line, Peter, they're not very good, but... I still believe they hang around long enough, they make it to the playoffs, and you get a quarterback who will be playing in postseason game number 48 of his career. And he'll change in that moment. And I've seen him change that Monday night game against the Saints. I just feel like something comes over him. He feels it's like, you know, the Superman transformation. He moves a different way. He looks a different way when he gets into those moments where he knows, okay, it's time to go get it done. And I feel like there's just been this year with all the distractions, all the issues, everything's been very well documented. I just feel like there's been a lot of lapses of focus, but that when they get to January, if they win the division, and they probably still will, that's when you look at this roster, on paper, they should be better than they are. I think that's the moment where we're going to see, can they pull it all together? Can they get their full focus for 60 minutes and go out there and get it done? And and I would not bet against them, even against a you know very good Cowboys team. If it comes down to the Bucks as the four seed and the Cowboys at the five seed, I, I would have a hard time not picking the Bucs with Tom Brady to win that game.
2: Yeah. I mean, Mike, I, I think this... Buck's team reminds me, you know, and you're right about Brady. You never count him out. I, I certainly would never in a million years count him out. But this sort of reminds me of the Patriots at the end of 2019 when it was over for Brady and in New England, rather. It was over for him. And, you know, that totally, totally weird playoff game uh, that they had at home against the Tennessee Titans, you know, where – uh obviously Logan Ryan returns the interception when the Patriots are desperate right at the end but that day like nothing worked for New England it's nothing and you know no matter how many times you try to figure out what can we do what do we have left in our bag of tricks I mean Tom Brady look you heard the whispers after that year Tom Brady looks washed they were they were in a lot of places he was whatever 42 years old okay every time's catching up with him all that other stuff and mike while i agree with you i think that this is a real different tampa team or at least has the feel of a different tampa team to me but i will say just one other thing the one thing about brady that is universal is that he's had a couple of resuscitative wins in the last few weeks the first one was in munich against seattle and after that i can tell you because i was with him after that game and he was on top of the world all right and then he has the resuscitative win against new orleans you know where he has the big comeback late and he's he's excited after the game and everything so i do not put it past them to rally to make the playoffs and to give somebody a good game in the first game. But it just doesn't feel the way it felt a couple of years ago.
0: And a couple of years ago, what happened was the final four weeks of the season, they found the gas pedal. They came out of the bye week. They won four in a row, and that laid the foundation. They were seven and five, and off they went. They didn't even win the division that year. That's the thing. They could go into the playoffs this year as the four seed. They won the Super Bowl two years ago as the five seed. So even, even if they have a losing record and they win the division, they're in a better spot on the playoff tree when all the records go out the window and it's time to go play single elimination football. But that's where it's hard to count out Tom Brady because he's never going to be freaked out by that moment of being in the playoffs, of having your season right on the game because he, he, he lives for that. He thrives on that. It's been yeah. I mean th- almost three full seasons of football in that setting where if you lose, you go home. All right, we're going to take a break. Show me something for week 15 when this Friday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. It is confirmed there is a pineapple atop the Wimbledon men's trophy. There it is. An exotic, rare, expensive fruit that was only afforded by royalty in the UK in the early days of the Wimbledon tournament, 1877. There's the pineapple, and it's not upside down, Peter. That's the best news.
2: That's the shame of it, that it's not upside down. Or, you know, the (laughs) Wimbledon Trophy. Mike, Mike, Mike. (laughs) The Wimbledon Trophy should have a Baptist Health logo on it. There's no question about it. Come on. (laughs) <laughs> you know if you
0: keep this up you're going to get another pineapple and another coffee table book hopefully this one will be about pineapples not about baptist health
2: all right uh, i you know uh, show what i me want something. though mike mike wait a minute for christmas i know what i want you to give me i want you to give me a coffee table book about coffee tables well uh
0: th- i think that's already been done but i don't think there's a coffee <laughs> table book about pineapples that's the follow-up by Cosmo Kramer. All right, show me something. Week 15. Peter, you're up.
2: Show me something, Sam Darnold. I never thought that we would utter his name all season, Mike, but here it is, okay? The the Carolina Panthers, you know, have basically vaulted themselves into the pennant race. And, you know, they've won two in a row, Denver and Seattle, sandwiching a bye. And now... You're not just going to be able to run the ball like they've been able to run the ball the last couple of games. You're really going to have to get something out of your passing game. And look, Sam Darnold has played mistake-free football in beating Denver and Seattle. That's all well and good. But you know what he's got to do now? He's got to play a couple of teams that Pittsburgh is a dangerous team at times. Detroit is a downright dangerous team. Those are their next two games to stay in the playoff race. They're going to have to hold serve at home. And Sam Darnold is going to have to make plays. Show me something, Sam Darnold. Show me, you want to stake a claim on this job. Show me something. Desmond Ritter making his debut
0: as the starter. We all sensed it would come at some point. I thought it would be, something that happened as a result of injury to Marcus Mariota, not they get to the late bye week and they just realize it's time to turn the page and see what the rookie can do. We've seen what Brock Purdy can do, and he was the last guy taken in the draft. Desmond Ritter went a lot earlier than that. A guy that has a lot of excitement, a guy that's got those intangibles, the leadership qualities. Let's see what we can do for a Falcons team that is still very much alive, and he gets his baptism by fire by going into the Superdome to take on a Saints team that even though they are under 500 as well, everyone in the division is, they're alive for that division title as too. So, this is your chance, this is your time, this is your opportunity. Show me something, Desmond Ritter.
2: Show me something Boy, this is a tough one for me because I've got got like six people on my list. But show me something, Trevor Lawrence. And again, look, it's not going to be easy to upset Dallas Cowboys. It just isn't, even though the game's in Jacksonville. But this is the time. You remember in Peyton Manning's second year in Indianapolis, they started beating teams that people thought they've got no business beating. Remember Troy Aikman's second year in Dallas? He started beating teams that people thought you have no business beating. Well, you know, Trevor Lawrence was drafted to be the savior of this franchise. I'm sure he hates that. But he played inconsistently his first year, and now he's really starting to shine. Trevor Lawrence, I want you to show me something. Just do me a personal favor. Go beat the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. Not that I care, but, you know, show me something, Trevor Lawrence, come through in a huge second-year game for your team.
0: We're going to make a mild revision to the name of this draft. It's not show me something here. It's show me anything, Vikings defense. Anything at all. And, And I know, I know, there's a propensity to make a play in a big spot. Bend but don't break. Well, against the Lions, it was bend and break. And when you look at the last five games, 400 yards allowed in every game, a franchise record. When you look at their record, 10-3, and three, they're the first 10-3 team in league history to allow more points than they have scored. And they've got a Colts team coming to town that has been playing everyone tough under Jeff Saturday. And Peter, I don't know if you saw this at PFT yesterday, the Vikings last beat the Colts December 21, 19. 97. Jim Harbaugh was the starter. Kelly Holcomb came in and had five turnovers in 15 snaps to help the Vikings beat the Colts and the Colts wow. to finish with the one spot in the draft and to get Peyton Manning. That's the last time the Vikings beat the Colts. Indy's won five straight since then, including a couple of blowouts back-to-back. Show me something, Vikings defense, and you get your T-shirt and your hat signifying you're the NFC North champions. We'll do round three of the Show Me Something draft. Right after this, show me something. Week
2: 15, round three. Peter King, you're up. Show me something. Mike McDaniel, the precocious coach of the uh, Miami Dolphins, had a great run when the Dolphins wrote a five game winning streak into the state of California. Then They go 17-17 and in the next two games. They lose them both. Mike McDaniel, show me something to go to Buffalo on a bad weather night and prove that you are more than a deep ball passing team. Show me something, Mike McDaniel. Show me something,
0: Colt McCoy. He has shown plenty in replacing Kyler Murray the past couple of years, but... The Cardinals need somebody for next year that they can trust to carry the flag if Kyler Murray isn't ready Week One, and maybe it's Colt McCoy for one more year. Can he win at Denver? Maybe that makes him the guy for next year. We're out of time. Peter, safe travels, everybody. Enjoy the weekend. See you Monday.
1: Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. Exo, give it to you. How about that?
2: That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience.
0: Acura. And
2: that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Next go give it to you. unlock the
0: energy of the All-Electric CDX Type S. Give up. Order now at Acura.com.